Welcome to the Revival Center Podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and thoughts from our church. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. And him and his wife, Amanda, they're, such an, they're, just, they're so awesome. Um, you have, again, you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes that makes this happen. It takes a village, right? It takes a village of people. And it's such, again, like I said, it is a time to serve at the Revival Center. And that time is right now. And I'm so thankful to serve alongside you guys. And thank you for the platform. Um, this youth ministry is, is such an incredible um, opportunity to serve into the next generation. So thank you so, so much. Again, if you will, stand all across the room for the reading of God's word this morning. We want to honor his word. We're in Luke chapter 15. We're going to be reading verse 11 through 13, and then we're going to skip down to verses 18 through 20. Let's read. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Skipping down to verse 18. And he said, I will arise and go to my father. This This is the prodigal. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. This morning, we're going to be talking about the prodigal son. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your presence that's already in this room, Father. Lord, I pray that you would remove any words that are, that are of mine, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. Thank you for this word this morning, and we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And everyone said, amen, and amen, you may be seated. And, and so I believe that the Lord has laid a message on my heart this morning. Um, and, and, and so I, I, I wanted directly to speak to the brokenhearted parent or a family member that is struggling with a prodigal. And so can I start off strong by saying this right here, that there is hope for the prodigal, right? There is hope for you. There is healing, there is restoration, and there is celebration right around the corner. And it may not seem like it right this minute, but it is coming. The Bible says in in Psalms 30, verse number five, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but what? Joy comes with the morning. Can I encourage you this morning to not give up and to not stop praying and seeking after the Lord? This does not remove the fact that it will be hard and it will feel, you will feel the heartbrokenness inside of you, right? It's not an easy task to have a prodigal son or prodigal daughter, right? Like you, you could imagine what this prodigal father is having to go through as he is giving away his inheritance to, this, to his son and knowing that the outcome is not going to be good, right? As he's just handing everything, he's giving everything to the prodigal and, and, and you could just imagine the way that his heart feels in that moment. You know, the, the sleepless nights, the meals that have been missed and the countless prayers that this father is giving 
is, is submitting to God, it was simply not easy, right? It was simply not easy. And this morning, I want to take a look at this prodigal or this parable that Jesus called the prodigal son in hopes that we can find some hope, right? And that we can find some encouragement this morning. And the thing that I find interesting about this parable is that it comes after two very similar parables. But this one seems to be a little bit different. So at the very beginning of chapter 15, we find ourselves with the parable of the lost sheep. And then we move on and, and we continue to read. And, and we find ourselves at the parable of the lost coin. And then we find ourselves at the parable of the prodigal son. You see, and they're all similar in the fact that something was once lost but will eventually be found. But the big difference in the parable of the prodigal son is that the owner, so to speak, did not go after what was lost, right? You see, the, the father didn't pursue the prodigal. He, left, he let the prodigal leave with his, with his inheritance. And I find this very interesting and also challenging at the same time. Like, why did he not go after the prodigal? Right? Like, why did he not pursue his own son? And so I think about the fact that if the prodigal would have never come home, he would have died in the pig pen. He would have died right there with the pigs, wondering how he could have found any hope. And then I'm challenged by the fact of, well, of course God always chases after us. But then I'm like, hold on, that's not always true. That's not always true. You see, at some point, it has to be our choice to turn from our ways and come back to the Father, right? It's not always that God is chasing and, and seeking after us, but at some point, we have to come to the Father. And again, and, and this is hard to understand. Yes, God is a good God. Yes, God is a good Father. Yes, God is gracious, and he has mercies that will cover everything. His mercies are new every single morning, is what the Bible says. And yes, God brings peace, love, and forgiveness, and yes, God will never leave us nor forsake us, but we can turn away and walk away from God and never look back. We can turn away and never look back to Jesus. You see, God is not going to force us to have a relationship with him. He's not going to force us to love him. He's not going to do that to us. You see, and this is the challenge that we face this morning, that there are people in the room who have a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. Or maybe you're in this room and you might be the prodigal. You might be the prodigal. And, 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 and maybe you're that parent and you're crying out to God and it seems as if he is doing nothing. Nothing's changing. Nothing, your child is, just seems like it's getting further and further and further away. That they're never going to turn around. And see, and, and this, will, this begins to drive us... Um, this will either drive us towards our relationship with God or it will drive us away from our relationship with God. Saying, how could God do this to my son or to my daughter? Why, well, God, why don't you just bring him back right now? Like, why, why don't you just do this? But the hard reality that we must understand is that until the prodigal, until the son or the daughter recognizes and comes to themselves as we find in our main text, that they are in the pig pen of life and they will be stuck there. 
until they realize and recognize that they need Jesus. And again, I don't want this sermon to feel like it's all about this is negative and so sad because I want to bring hope, right? I want to bring encouragement. You see, I, I, I'm glad that there's hope today, right? I'm glad that, that his name is Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that there is a God in heaven that draws us to himself, correct? Even when we're far off, even when we're gone and we feel like we're lost, God continues to draw us to himself. You see, God does not have to come chase us down tackle us for us to know that he longs for us, right? He doesn't have to come and wrap us up to know that, that, we, that, or that he loves us. He doesn't have to do that. There's something in the realm of the spiritual realm of life that connects our spirit with God. And, and we feel a tugging and a longing on, on the other side from a heavenly father, maybe that we don't even know intimately, but it will always be there. You see, the father... Um, the father who sent his one and only son to die and give us what we call grace. And, and the cool thing is, is that God is waiting, right? You see, you see, God is ready to slaughter the fattened calf. If you read in the, at the end of the prodigal son, then when the prodigal comes home, he slaughters the fattened calf. He gives him rings and robes, and he gives him the best white robe. Come on. You see, and God is sitting there waiting for the prodigal to come home. And you see, it's not our job to fix the prodigal. Mm. It's not our job to fix the prodigal. Our job is to focus on our relationship with Jesus. We should, we should be driven to our knees to surrender it all at the feet of Jesus because when we do this, we are able to find something that we could never find anywhere else and that is hope. Come on, once you give God a hand right there that we have some hope this morning. And that, that leads me to my first point I want to talk about is that there is hope. You see, there is hope for the prodigal. There is hope for you. You may have walked in this room hopeless this morning. Again, I don't know the situation, you, but you may have walked in this room with unanswered prayers and a broken spirit, with tears that are falling in your heart right now. Your child has been running as far as they can in the opposite direction of life, and there's nothing that you can do to change their minds and their heart. You see, and again, this situation will either drive you away from God or it will drive you closer than you ever have ever been before in your relationship with God. You see, in situations such as this, it really shines the light of our dependence on God. Do we truly depend on God in every situation of our life? Beyond the prodigal son, do we truly understand that there's nothing that we can control in our life? We have to submit it into the hands of the Almighty. We must release. We must release it all at the hands of the Almighty. And you're saying, you know what, Alex? Hey, how in the world and why in the world would I ever release my child? Right? Come on. And I don't, even, I don't have a kid yet, but we're working on one. It's baking, right? It's, it's getting here. I mean, look, and, and, and you're looking at me like, you don't even have a kid. Come on. I'm, again, I'm working on it. But you say, I can't release my child. I love, I'll, I'll, you know, understand that that is my child. And you're asking me right now to release them. And my response would be this right here. Do you not think that the heavenly father who hand-knit your baby in your womb loves them more than you could ever possibly imagine to love them? Yes, he certainly does. More than we could ever imagine to love our child. 
And I think of the story of Moses, and I'm not going to read every single one of these verses, but in Exodus chapter 2, we're going to start in verse number 3. This is, this is the story of Moses and his mother. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes. I don't know how to say these words, so just hang on. And, and he dabbed it with bitmen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river. And then it goes on, and it was kind of strategic where she placed it because that's where the Pharaoh's daughter would come and she would bathe. And, and, and so what would happen in this situation is that her servant, the Pharaoh's daughter's servant, saw the baby and she had pity. She took pity on him and said this, this is one of the Hebrew children, verse number seven. And then watch this, the sister of Moses was far off watching the situation. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? Verse 8, and the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Man, that's good right there. The child's mother. In verse 9, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me. I will give you your wages. And And somebody in the room was like, hold on. This mom's getting paid to take care of her child? I want to get paid to take care of my child. What? Yeah. So the woman took the child, the mother, and nursed him. When the child grew old, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. You see, Moses' mother had to release Moses. And the reason being is, is because in that day, Pharaoh made a law upon the land of the Israelites that if they had a baby boy, they had to throw them into the Nile River, right? You know the story. And so it was either throw this baby into the Nile River or possibly be killed for hiding the child and raising him herself. So she did what anyone in the room would do. She put him in a basket in the river. Come on. Y'all know exactly what you're doing after service now. Come on. See, like, could you imagine leaving your child in a basket in the river in hopes that somebody would find him. In hopes, it's not like she set the basket in there and then she walked away or and just stood there and watched until somebody found the. She went home. She walked away. The, the, the sister was the only one there watching, the, watching what was gonna happen. You could imagine that she ran away and she began to pray and pray and pray, praying for her child to grow and become all that God had for him, to be the best man of God this nation has ever seen. But little did she know that she was about to get a knock on the door from Moses' sister for her to nurse and raise him. You talk about God answering some prayers in that moment. You could imagine. You could imagine how this mother feels. And, And you see, it took her releasing Moses into the hands of God. You see, because she knew that she could not do it on her own power. She couldn't do it on her own power. She tried to keep Moses a secret, but she, I can't do it any longer. I must release this baby. And then God brings him right back. Come on, that's good right there. And then we begin to talk, we begin to continue to talk about the story of Moses and how he grows up and he becomes a prodigal son, right? He becomes, he becomes the epitome of what a prodigal is. He kills an Egyptian soldier, and then he flees Egypt for 40 years. For, this man was old, by the way, like 40 years in the desert, 40 years that he fled. I could just, man, I don't even know, right? So 
I want to pause right there for just a second because I feel like the Lord laid this on my heart whenever I was writing this. Being a prodigal does not void the call of God that is on your life. It does not void the call of God, the fact that God had called you from your mother's womb. Just because you're far off doing what you're not supposed to be doing does not mean that God's call is not still on your life. Jeremiah 1.5 said this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You see, again, you may be running for years and years, and maybe you don't even know how you found yourself sitting in this room. I want to remind you, person in the room who is far from God, that he still has a call on your life. Just because you have done this or done that or you have been labeled this or labeled that because of the world, it does not void the call that God has placed upon you. It does not. And so let let me tell you that there is still hope for you because we know what happened to Moses, right? We know the call that that God placed on Moses' life. After the 40 years that he fled, he finally came back. Come on. He finally came back and he stepped into what God called him to do and that was to bring the Israelites out of Egypt to stand up and to bring hope to the Israelites and guess what he came to find himself at the lowest point of his life and came back and stepped into the call of God you see there is hope and sometimes sometimes it is at the lowest point in your life that you realize the call of God on your life sometimes it 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 took the 40 years for Moses to realize the call of God on his life. Now, I ain't saying you have to go and do the, you, ain't, you don't have to run from God to find your call. Come on. You don't have to run, from, run away from God. But for Moses, it took 40 years to realize the call of God that was on his life to, to walk the Israelites out of Egypt. I think the story of Miss Avery King, some of you guys heard her testimony here in the women's meeting a couple Sundays ago. And then we had her this past Wednesday in the youth ministry telling her testimony, an incredible, powerful testimony that it took her six arrests and four months in jail to come to herself and realize the call of God on her life, sitting in a prison cell. For her to finally realize the call of God on her life. And then at the age of 23, come on, she's not even... She's only 23 years old, and now she is standing on platforms proclaiming the name of Jesus and the goodness and the grace that we can all receive no matter how far we have been from Jesus. Won't you give God a hand right there? You talk about bringing a a prodigal home. You see, there is a hope for you, mother and father, and there is hope for you, son and daughter. There is hope for all of us. And I encourage you to hold fast and to stand firm. And this leads me to my final point. Worship team, you can hold on, hold tight for just a few more minutes. I'm almost done. Verse, or uh, number two, not, do not give up. Don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says this, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You see, don't give up on your child. Don't give up on your child. It's just a matter of time. Submit them at the feet of Jesus. You pray for them every single day, every night before you lay your head down at night, and and, and you place their name at the feet of Jesus. You may have to remove yourself from their life, and that may be hard. You may have to remove yourself from their life, but you do not stop praying for that child. 
You, you continue to invite them to church. Do not stop being the light of Jesus. Do not give up on your child. God has a plan and a purpose for that, for that child. I could not imagine how you feel. I couldn't imagine. I, I have no idea or what, that you're, or what you're going through. The pain that fills your heart when you get a phone call or a text message from an update that, that they did something and something happened and now this big old thing is blowing up. Some, some of y'all know what, what I'm talking about in this room. You could imagine the, the pain that you can feel. I have no idea. But I begin to think about my baby girl that me and Madison are having in July. I couldn't imagine that my baby grows up and chooses not to serve Jesus. I could imagine how that, makes, that would make me feel. To, for her to say, I, you know, I don't want to serve God. I don't want to follow God. I don't want him to have anything to do with me. I, I could imagine that moment, choosing to walk away from God. And I don't know how I would handle that situation. It's, a, it's super easy to preach about it, come on. But it's another thing to sit there and say, God, I got to submit this at your feet. I got to submit this at your feet. And I don't know, but I do know that God has a plan for her life and that he will bring it to fruition. And it will happen in Jesus' name. I'm declaring that right now. And she may get lost along the journey like we all have. Come on. Everybody in this room has been lost at some point or has, has strayed from the beaten path. But I am, I'm saying right now that when we submit their name at the feet of Jesus, they will have grace and mercy waiting. Amen. And um, it's, a lot of people have been asking me what, what our, our baby's name is. Okay. So I'll go ahead and, and tell everybody. How about it? Is that cool? So we're going to be submitting baby Scarlett Grace Fortson at the feet of Jesus. You see, yeah, come on. And, and, and look, I'm going to, and I, it's kind of funny that I'm already making sermon illustrations about my kid, you know. You know, typical youth pastor, right? All right. Scarlet. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, and I, again, I think it's incredible how God ordained all of this to happen when he laid this, this sermon on my heart to preach to, the, to the, uh, the father or the mother or even the prodigal that's in this room when he laid that on my heart about three weeks ago, and then we decided on a name for our baby, and I promise we didn't choose this name for the sermon, okay? It wasn't, it wasn't for that, but you know, if people get saved, and you know what? Praise God. And, and so, scarlet meaning sinful, meaning red, meaning blood. It even talks about in the Bible how the sinful would wear a scarlet robe, and, 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 and then I was like, Maddie, we can't name our kids scarlet. Like we're we're pastors, like that can't that can't be a thing, and um and I was like, all right, well, because she was adamant about it, the Lord spoke to her, and I'm like, Lord, you have to speak to me, like, um, and so I, I began to pray about it. I was like, give me a week, give me a week, let me pray about it, and so I began to pray about it, and and He laid grace on my on my heart, and then grace meaning a freely given gift, and her name means that our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. You see, there will never be a place that she can go that she will never not know that Jesus died for her. There will never be a moment where she is too far gone to not know that Jesus has covered her already in the grace and the blood of Jesus. Come on, won't you give God a hand right there? Won't you stand all across the room? Praise team, you can go ahead and make your way back up.
And I wanna take, I wanna take this moment and I wanna encourage the students in the room, the youth that are in the room that have lost parents, right? Lost people aren't just like, they're not just children. Yeah, they're not just youth students, okay? They're not just kids, but they're everywhere, everywhere. Every age group, every single generation. Even the prodigal that we're preaching about, that I'm preaching about right now, it may not be a 16-year-old. It may be a 50-year-old, and you are continuing to pray for your, your daughter or your son. But I want to encourage this, this student that has a lost parent. That have, there's so many testimonies that I have had in our youth ministry where a student has gotten so plugged into our youth ministry and so plugged into whether it's the worship team or into Speed the Light or just going on uh, youth trips that, that they, they didn't have, their parents didn't come to church, right? But they would just drop them off at the front door and then they would go home, do their own thing, and they would pick them up right after service, right? Every single Wednesday, every single Sunday, they would be here devoted and excited to be at church. And then they would, we'd have something like National Youth Day or we'd have our um, fine arts showcase in our youth service. And then the parents says, you know what, I'll slip in. I'll, I'll, watch my, I'll watch my kid. And they're sitting there watching. And then they, you know, they kind of feel touched. You talk to them after service. And then, and then you know, a couple months go past and then we have a, a National Youth Day or something like this. And and you know what, hey, I'll, I'll slip in one more time and I'll, I'll watch. And then, and then uh, you know, maybe a few more, just a few more weeks, then I, then I see them on a Sunday or a Wednesday. We'll, we'll try Wednesdays first, right? And then they showed up on a Wednesday. Wednesday night, they're sitting in service. And they'll even come back to the youth instead of coming in here. I'm like, hey, you, you want to go in the big service? I, I think it'd be awesome. Or not even get one of our adults to go and sit with them. Then they would come and they would sit with them and they would enjoy service. And then before they know it, they're, they're here on Sunday morning. And then they miss a couple Sundays, but then they're back on Sunday. And then before they even know it, they are here every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, every single event that we've had. And they have given their heart back to the Lord all because of the student never gave up on their parents. Never gave up on them. Look, the more times you can get them to drive here, they probably get tired of going home and coming back. You might, they might as well just stay for service, right? I just want to encourage students in the room, do not give up on your parents. They need Jesus just like everybody else across this world. And you can be a light to them. You can be a light to them going home, inviting them to church, whatever it, may, whatever it takes to make sure that they hear the name of Jesus. And so this is my altar this morning. I'm believing that God is going to call some prodigals home. Maybe you're in this room, and again, you have no idea why you're even here. It's National Youth Day, and the youth pastor's preaching. You have no idea why you're in this room, but I believe that God is calling you home right now. Right now. You know who you are. You know the hearts that are in this room, and I believe that God is going to set some parents free. I truly believe it. Those who have been having sleepless and hopeless nights. And again, I, I, I just feel like the Lord has laid all this stuff on my heart. He's going to bring rest. He's going to, be, he is going to bring hope to you this morning. As you come, and, and not, not you come and, and you worry about your kid at the altar, 
That's not what I'm talking about. But you come to the altar and you release your child and you place them in the hands of the Almighty, the only one that brings us hope. This world would not bring us hope. Only God will bring us hope. For more information about the Revival Center, visit us on the web at revivalcenterag.com.